0: tell joe biden and left-wing leaders across america hands off our kids paid for by america first legal
1: you are listening to the huddle up podcast
0: with mile high huddles chad jensen and zach kelberman freeman is back there blocked by Larry. caught for the touchdown a two-yard laser fuming golly from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsay is in. Janovich the fullback. Janovich hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick. He continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown. They call a touchdown on a one yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, no offense. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at
1: the
2: 10, Fett takes it in, touchdown Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. And so, caught touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth
1: career touchdown, but his first here in Denver.
0: And now,
2: here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I have exercised the demons.
1: This house is clear. Welcome in, everybody, to another live edition of the Huddle Up! Podcast, simulcasting on YouTube and Facebook. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. He's a lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He's a columnist at MileHighHuddle.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, how's it hanging here this uh, Thursday evening?
2: I'm hanging in there, and I apologize to the viewers from last night's episode. It's abruptly cut out. It was like the ending of The Sopranos, just going black. I didn't mean that for that to happen, but uh, I fixed my computer, hopefully, and hopefully it holds up today, so I'm glad to be back in uh, full strength, Chad.
1: Yeah, we had some, and by the way, welcome in to everybody who's been hanging out in the room. Stu, Noble Young, Red John, Buona Beast, appreciate you, bro. See you guys. Johnny, what's up, everybody? Russell. Nathan, we uh, we have some interesting storylines we want to talk about at the top of this show, and then we're opening it up. Mile High Mailbag, it's questions, it's concerns. We are your football priests, and, of course, each and every week we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your Burning Broncos questions. So maybe it's not a question, though. Maybe it's a reaction, it's a comment. You want to get something off your chest, exercise those demons. We are here to help you do that, and we're going to dive into it here in just one second. first, first, A very quick reminder, and then it's all Bronco talk. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter like this. See this cool ticker that we got here going across the screen? That's how you find the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. It's the best way, you guys, to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. Like today, we're fully expected to be able to launch at uh, our usual time of 6-ish Mountain, 8 Eastern, and it got pushed back a little bit once again because of me. Uh, because I arrived home today to a little bit of a surprise. And maybe if there's enough time, I'll, I'll uh, unveil the surprise and let let some of our listeners check out what, what my wife and family surprised me with today, being that it's the day after my birthday. And so if you're following the show on Twitter, you saw the tweet, letting everybody know what time we were probably going to be going live tonight. And So that's a, just a good reminder and a good example of why you want to make sure you're following the show on Twitter at huddle Up Pod.
0: Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration's pushing radical gender experiments on children Steve,
1: dude, I thought you were going to be out today. We're, I, I even pulled up your tweet so we can answer your question on the pod. Ping you on Twitter afterward and tell you to check out the pod. Glad to have you. Glad to see a ten dollar donation. You Thank are you, just, Steven. You're a phenomenal stud, dude. We love you, Appreciate Christy, you. We love you as well. Jumping in with a twenty dollar donation on Super Chat. She says we can beat KC. It can be yes. done. It can be done. Yeah. We're going to talk about it today. But Zach, it was so. Interesting how I think it was, I don't know, two or three pods ago, sometime this week though, we were asked about the, the punter situation. And we talked about <laughs> Shane Tripuca. We talked about his father, Chris, how he's quite active on on Twitter and importuning the Broncos constantly and and you know Broncos media, people like you and I to try and raise and elevate the profile of his son, Shane, who is just two years removed from being a very prolific punter. And kicker at uh, Texas A&M, the Broncos worked him out today. Him and uh, what was the other guy's name? Oh, uh, no, Daniel, something Daniel. Anyways, the punter from uh, the Texans last year. He even punted with the Texans for the first two games this season. So the Broncos worked out two punters today. So maybe uh, maybe they're dialed into the shows that they're like, hey, hey who's this uh, Shane Tripuca guy? Let's let's look him up. Get the scouting department on and let's see. Oh, he's got like a forty-three point five net average. Okay, let's get him in.
2: Yeah, sign him up. We spoke that into existence, Chad, completely. And it doesn't even matter who the other person's name was. He cannot be worse than Colby Wadman. So I'm glad the Broncos are getting a jump on things or being a little proactive with the situation. And just as we talked about yesterday, maybe it lends more credence to what you were saying, that they're not going to replace McMahon. They would replace Wadman first with punter and give McMahon a reprieve. But either way, they have to make a change there on special teams. Wadman is the... That side of the ball of the version of Garrett Bowles. Every time he's on the field, he is hurting the Broncos in some way. He's a detriment to the team. And the sooner they replace him, whether it's Tripuca or anyone else, the better.
1: Yeah, the other punter that they brought in is Trevor Daniel, T- punted for the Texans last Sign year. Sign him up and, uh, for the first two games this season. So Shane Tripuca coming in. And, you know, if the Broncos end up making a move and signing him, it's probably not going to be until immediately following the season. So the literally as soon as the season is over, the Broncos can't sign guys to the 90 man roster. So he's one of those guys where, you know, he'll probably have to stay on ice for a week, a couple of weeks, you know, through the duration of of December basically. And then maybe he gets a chance to come in and punt for the team in which his grandfather is a ring of Famer, the number 18 of course. Frank Tripuca retired. He was also the first quarterback in AFL-NFL history to surpass 3,000 yards passing. So that's probably what he's most famous for. That, Zach, not only being a ring of famer, but also being uh, willing to acquiesce and rent Peyton Manning or (laughs) loan his number 18 jersey number for that four-year reign that Peyton had at Mile High.
2: Yeah, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the reserve future contract members don't count toward the 90-man roster limit. So if they want to bring him in now and sign him later, I don't know if it counts or not. I might be wrong on that. but I'm not sure either. I'm not sure on that myself. But they might be doing some advanced scouting here. Even if he's not brought on right now, as you mentioned, Chad, he could be signed later. And he can be in an open competition next offseason with Wadman or someone else. But as we all agree on, Chad, I, everyone in this room, I think every Broncos fan out there, they have to make a move because Wadman is turning out to be pretty terrible. TG jumping
1: in with a five dollars hey, donation on Super Chat. Appreciate you. I think that's the first we've uh, had a chance to hear from TG. And by the way, we have begun the process. over the last few weeks, we began the process of sending out some some swag, some merch to our super chat superstars, those who have been the most consistent and generous in their donations on Super Chat. And we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue, Zach and I to cook up ways to, you know yes. to thank those who support the show. Financially, we've got some things coming that we're going to be announcing here uh, during the holiday season. Look forward to that. We're going to be unveiling our uh, e-commerce store where anyone who wants to can buy a hat. They can buy a shirt. We're going to offer some hoodies. We'll, we're, we're cooking up some other ideas, too, for the merch uh, store that you can either just go straight to the website or you can buy it on YouTube or whatever you want to do. But we're also going to use that store as the primary means in which we say thank you to our Super Chat superstars. And then, you know, we're also open to suggestions, you guys, if there's things you want us to do, if you got ideas on how we can integrate our financial supporters on Super Chat into the show, whether it's bringing you on for segments or, you know, fan segments where we bring you on, talk to your fan-specific questions or specific topics. We're coming up with different ideas because we just didn't see this coming, so we weren't prepared for it. So we're cooking up ways, Zach and uh, TG. Appreciate you. Welcome into the fold, bro.
2: Yeah, we're going to have a lot of different things going on to kind of give back to our followers and to our fans on here on Super Chat on Twitter and just for the pod in general. We have a lot of cool ideas coming, not necessarily with gear, like Chad said. We want to keep things kind of uh, uh, close to our chest for now, but we have some ideas coming. And I think you guys the followers of the show. No donation has gone unnoticed. We track and appreciate everything. And we deeply thank you guys for tuning in every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. We, we got the punter situation talked about. Let's
1: also address what happened with Justin Simmons, who was today named the Denver Broncos Walter Payton Man of the Year. He's put in over 50 hours that he's donated to different charities and community outreach. And by the way, Stuart jumping in with a $25 donation. Thank you, Stu. On chat. Stu, you are the man. But Justin Simmons, you know, and it just kind of brings back to the fore, Zach, the reality that, you know, he's only under contract for three more games. And we've heard the Denver Broncos talk about, you know, they they want to keep him here. And we've heard Fangio say, I think he's got a bright future here in Denver. Justin Simmons, though, when he's asked about it, he, you know, in a perfect world, yeah, of course I'd like to stay. But there's always the caveat, right? There's always the qualifier where, you know, you just never know how things work out in business. It has to make sense financially and da-da-da-da. The Broncos, though, they need to pony up and get this particular pony signed up long-term because he's he's got to be a staple on the back end of that D.
2: Oh, yeah, and every week he goes out there and balls out more, he's making himself more money and costing the Broncos more money. So if they want to get out in front of this, they can sign him up now. If he's willing, if he wants to negotiate a contract right now it takes two to tango but yeah um, it should be a no-brainer the cap space the Broncos are going to have 85 million I think in projected cap space it's plenty to pay Justin Simmons and I would actually pay him among the upper tier safeties in the NFL because you're paying not only for his production now but for his future production and his future upside we are just seeing I think what Justin Simmons is capable of especially in a Vic Fangio coach defense Chad
1: Amen to that. Let's grab a question here. Now, this was one that was pre-submitted on Twitter. And apologies, Stephen. I was traveling today, so I wasn't able to sit down and completely uh, give your, you know, tweet back my answer. But let's just address it together in real time here. Zachy he says, "I won't be able to join tonight, but fortunately, he was able to." So here's my question through Twitter. My question is, what do you guys think of getting CD Lamb to pair with Cortland Sutton, and what do you guys think of getting the right uh, or the t- tight end from Missouri for Drew? If Calais Campbell is cut from Jacksonville, do you think the Broncos will try to sign him? Well, let's let's just let's back it up. CeeDee Lamb, the idea of getting another dynamic number two Zach, that's something that you and I have been proponents of. Mm-hmm. The issue is if you're gonna get a guy like CeeDee Lamb, it's gonna have to be top 15, probably, right. top 20 in the in the first round. Are you willing to do that? At the expense of maybe passing on an elite offensive tackle or, right. you know, if Okuda, Jeffrey Okuda is on the board, where do you prioritize that? Because CeeDee Lamb is a great player, though. I mean, you're not going to bat an eye to, to the idea of bringing in CeeDee Lamb and teaming him up with Sutton, but it's a question of how do you stack it on the board?
2: I, I just don't think it comes down to your preference. I mean, do you think a wide receiver is the most important position and the biggest need for the Broncos going into the offseason? Is it bigger than a tackle? Is it bigger than a guard? Is it bigger than depth in the secondary? I happen to I, I think disagree with that. You can get a burner receiver, maybe not of Lamb's quality in the later rounds. I don't think I would splurge a first round pick on a receiver, Chad. You use a second on Sutton. You have your quarterback in the future. You have a fourth invested in Deshaun Hamilton. You've caught, you got a, a first Invested in Noah fan that answers the next question we have use those high round picks don't draft for need don't draft for luxury draft best player available and I think wherever they end up landing it's not going to be C.D. Lamb probably be a lineman or a defender of some sort I wouldn't be opposed to it I wouldn't hate it but it's not my first option the
1: question about <clears throat> Calais Campbell being cut from Jacksonville which there have been rumblings and you know it's speculation mostly that that uh, Jacksonville will move on from Calais Campbell. He was this close to signing with the Broncos. The Broncos had an offer on the table. I can't remember the exact number, but it seems to me, Zach, it was something like a million dollar difference. Might've been less than that. And he ultimately, you know, the storylines were Calais Campbell could be going home to Denver, of course, where he went to high school. He ended up taking just that little bit more per year to go to Jacksonville there's a good chance he could end up back in Denver. The question for me there is value considering he's that much older. I think it was three off seasons ago now.
2: Yeah, he's not the same player as he was when they first signed him. He's not the same player uh, that we've all known Kalias Campbell to be. He would be a good addition in this defense, but if we're talking about free agent additions, Chad, we talked about Akeem Hicks, Akeem Hicks yesterday. We talked about Chris Jones yesterday. If they're going to splurge on those kind of defenders on the inside, I'd rather the Broncos pony up a little more and get a younger player with better upside in this defense. Again, I would not be opposed to Kalias Campbell, but you have Shelby Harris a free agent. You have Derek Wolves as a free agent. You can probably pay those guys, maybe get an Akeem Team Hicks, for the price of what Kaleas Campbell may cost. So not my first option, but I wouldn't cry if they end up signing him.
1: Broncos fan number 24 with a $20 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate you. And a question, of course, it is the Mile High Mailbag. Mahomes was talking about how he needs to step up in the pocket and not throw off his back foot during a press conference. Why isn't Mahomes getting bashed as much as Locke is for literally doing the same thing by NFL pundits? Well, it's confirmation bias if you want to know the truth. You know, everyone's trying to figure out and justify why Drew Locke slipped to the second round because the way he's played the last two weeks, you know, his two game debut. I mean, he's just looking like the best rookie quarterback in the league. And we're talking about guys like Kyler Murray, who's played all year, Daniel Jones most of the year. You're seeing Dwayne Haskins, who's, you know, he's he hasn't been completely terrible, but none of them have been just the massive dynamic powerhouse that Drew Locke was, especially in that second start. And so you have people that are, they're going to nitpick him. He's going to constantly get nitpicked throughout his career. And that's something he's got to be ready for because it's, it's a, it's a confirmation bias process, Zach. It's a neck. It's the negative. It's like an inverted confirmation bias. It's like when, when Von Miller gets a sack, all right, he's a rookie to 2011. He turns the corner and everyone's like, Oh wow. Yep. There it. That's why he was a first round pick. That's why he was number two overall and it's going to be the exact opposite with Drew Lock. They're the analysts, especially the color guys on the t- television broadcast, they're going to nitpick the technical uh, aspects of his game because and he's really basically going to have to completely outkick his coverage to win over those people's net.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, Mahomes won NFL MVP. Those guys, once you win that award, it buys you so much time and it buys you immunity to some sort of criticism. Just look at John Elway. He brought one title to Denver, and he's resting on those laurels even years later when I think he's made the case that it deserves to be fired if not demoted. But that's what happens with Mahomes. He's still not a perfect quarterback. That doesn't exist in the world or the NFL. He's a great quarterback, but he's always have things to work on. And the good ones want to stay good. The great ones always want to get better. They always want to work on their craft. They're always looking to improve. That's what you see with Mahomes, and that's what you'll see with Drew Locke. He's not Pax and Lynch who's going to rest on being uh, touted and the reputation and and, and having that faux leadership Um, and and back him as a support no he's going to be out there busting his butt every single day take over this team and guide them back to the playoffs and back on the NFL map that's the type of player that Drew Locke is that's what separates him from I think most other young quarterbacks in the NFL
1: and I'm glad you you bring that up Zach because it actually echoes something as well that Rich Scangarello talked about today on whether or not he, he was asked whether or not he believes that the pocket feel. He talked about Drew Locke having excellent feel in the pocket, which has really helped to take pressure off of his offensive line and allowed that unit, the, the starting five, to to play a more cohesive and unified brand of football up front. He's only been sacked once through two games. And then whether or not he, he believes that feel is something that can be coached or learned in the pocket. Let me read this verbatim quote from Scangarello, quote, That's a good question. There are a lot of things that go with the position that you just can't teach. When you have guys like that, you hope that you can bring out the best in them. Drew has worked very hard. When he was out, it was probably one of the best things that happened to him watching some of the other guys, speaking to, of course, Joe Flacco, speaking to Brandon Allen. He has changed his throwing mechanics since college, and it is showing up on the tape. His feet are in the ground. He's throwing with a great base. And it's why he's not retreating all the time. He's throwing the ball more accurately. He's throwing the ball more confidently. He likes our footwork and he's bought into it. I think T.C. McCartney, that's the quarterback's coach, has done a great job of helping him with that as well. I think that leads to what you're talking about, that feel, and it's helped him, close quote. So according to his coaches, Drew Locke has already significantly improved and changed his throwing mechanics and his throwing base and his footwork Getting back to the question from Broncos fan number 24, you know, Mahomes has been able to get away with that, and even Locke will be able to get away with it. You saw him get away with it a few times against the Texans and the Chargers because they have elite arm talent. It's not just a matter of changing up the angles and not having to be completely set in order to put zip and accuracy on the ball. It's the fading away. But the problem is for Mahomes, when you fade away like that, it puts more pressure on your offensive line. It's going to lead to more batted passes and, you know, Mahomes just hasn't quite been the same player this year, Zach. So I'm really, you know, he's still excellent. He's still right. arguably the best young quarterback in the NFL. But that's why I think there's, you know, there's the the door has been left open a little bit for Drew Locke to stick his foot in there, kick it open, and Arrowhead, and and just blow some people away.
2: If he plays his game, if he's allowed to go out and be that gunslinger, Chad, and the Broncos don't fit him into this this phone booth and make him something he's not, if they go out there and allow him to make mistakes and make bad passes and the occasional interception, you can see that Mahomes type talent, the improvisational skills, throwing off his back foot and hitting receivers right in the breadbasket. Those are throws, like I wrote in my column, Chad, that Locke and Mahomes and a few other quarterbacks in the NFL are can dream of making. So we'll see that come out more, but technique and footwork and pocket presence were the only uh, red flags of Locke coming out of college. It's something that John Elway spoke about in the preseason, and it's something he wanted to redshirt Locke for. The fact that he's getting better at that and the fact that he's getting complimented for that, that's really bodes well for his progress in year one and going forward. And just the the way he's thrown himself
1: into the challenge and the obstacle of making that transition from quarterback at Missouri to NFL quarterback in potential face of a franchise like That's the one thing you never saw a guy like Paxton Lynch do. He never tried to, you know, take the bull by the horns and capitalize on the enormous opportunity that the Broncos presented him as a first round pick. You're seeing Drew Locke. And again, that's why, you know, as much as it irritated guys like you and I, as much as we were frustrated by the way the Broncos were handling Drew Locke, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's a, it's a blessing in disguise. I mean, his coaches have spoke to it. Elway spoke to it. That time off that exile, that 10 weeks in which he had to basically sit on his thumbs, if you will, and go through the game tape to, or the practice tape twice through the VR each and every day, dive even further into the playbook. You know, even though his he was out of commission with his throwing thumb for a while, he could work on his drop backs. He could work on his footwork. He could work on his, his uh, throwing base and his platform. And you're seeing that immediately pay dividends. And by the way, Paul jumping in, $20 donation. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate that. Happy birthday. Yes, yesterday was my birthday, the big 4 0. And it is fun having hope at quarterback. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Zach, there's one here I wanted to grab from Jay. Can you guys explain the difference between play styles of Mahomes versus Locke, or are they the same? Same arm, same release. They're dang close. There's a reason why Locke has been at times compared to Mahomes, and it's not just the Missouri connection, meaning, you know, Locke playing in Missouri and of course, Mahomes being in KC. They have a similar angles thing with the arms, same arm talent, same arm strength. I would probably argue that Mahomes' arm strength is a little bit better than Locke. They also have just enough athleticism. I think Mahomes has more escapability, if I'm being honest, at this stage. Now, it's only a two-game sample size, but I think Mahomes has proven to be a very slippery quarterback and not in a, you know, Kyler Murray tucking the ball or – Lamar Jackson running yeah. with it downfield, but just evading the pressure while keeping his eyes downfield, and then just making that that big play.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think Mahomes is a better running quarterback than Locke, but Locke is more of that traditional build type. He's more of what you want in a a, a pocket-passing quarterback, even though he's a dual threat. But Mahomes is a, is a dual threat in the sense that he can hurt you strictly with his legs, whereas Locke uses his legs and his mobility to kind of complement his passing game. So they have similarities, but also big differences. I wouldn't call Drew Locke Patrick Mahomes. He has a long way to go for that comparison to ring true, but you can start to see some of the similarities there. And on come Sunday, in that game, going head-to-head, that could be a preview of of two identical quarterbacks kind of evolving in this league together.
1: Lupe, if you want to make a donation, it can only be done through watching the show live on YouTube through Super Chat. So next time the show's live or you can migrate over there even now, it can only be done through YouTube. Buona Beast, consistent viewer and, and listener of the show, he says... Why is the national media going crazy for the Steelers, Duck Hodges, but will not even speak of Drew Locke? I think part of it, the perception is, you know, the at least the Steelers are in the hunt right now, right. you know. Right. But part of it is that the Broncos are an afterthought in terms of the national perspective and the playoff picture. And also that it's, you know, it's it's as much as there's that inverted confirmation bias aspect there's also everyone knew who drew lock was i mean everyone was expecting him to go in the first round he was drafted even though he was a second round pig zach by the broncos he was drafted to be the face of the franchise so you know he's got a it, it's a little bit more expected i think but i don't know i think frankly after that houston game i've seen a lot of press and a lot of buzz about him on the national scale
2: Yeah, I'll say this is a three-pronged reason for this. The Steelers have a winning record. If the Broncos would, Drew Locke would be getting the same amount of praise. The fact that um, Drew Locke, like you said, Chad, he's not a really... It's not a surprise that he's coming out and taking hold of this Broncos team. You have someone like the Steelers, though, just lost a franchise, true franchise quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. Now you're on an undrafted free agent with a, a crazy nickname like Duck. So there's that into play. Also the fact that the national media always tends to hate on the Broncos. This has been a running thing longer than... And I've been on the beat. Chad, you can probably attest to this. The national media always has an axe to grind with the Broncos. And third, I will say, if Drew Locke upsets the Chiefs on Sunday, all of the national media will be coming around to them. There'll be no question about
0: this. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children joe biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults removing breast and genitals they want boys in our daughters bathrooms and sports teams and now the biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse tell joe biden and left-wing leaders across america hands off our kids paid for by america first legal
1: yeah you saw the lock rocket take off into the stratosphere from his just coming out of nowhere to beat the eight and four Texans. He will break through into freaking outer space. <laughs> if they beat the chiefs in Arrowhead, Frankie wants to know, Hey guys, good to see you. I don't know if anyone has asked, but what do you guys think will happen with Brett Ripon and Brandon Allen, a battle for the backup who has the upper hand between the two. Thanks for the excellent content. Thank you, Frankie. Thank you, Frankie. Honestly, I, I, don't, I, I think if you're going to say who has the upper hand at this stage, it's the slightly more proven Brandon Allen. But if I'm the Denver Broncos, Zach, I mean, it was encouraging to see what Allen could do. Again, really what you need is, it, is in a best-case scenario, you need your backup to come in if he's used and maybe hold down the fort for a game, maybe two. Worst-case scenario is you need him to come in and play significant stretch during the season if something happens to your starter. But – what Allen proved is that he can provide that spark for about four to six quarters. So if I'm the Denver Broncos and I'm going into 2020, knowing that I'm I'm basically rolling, building the nest around what will be a second year quarterback in Drew Locke. He's the unquestioned starter. I'm going out and I'm finding a a capable backup veteran stopgap. There's no questions about you know uh, there being a battle or a competition. Just a guy who can come in, hold the clipboard. A Ryan Fitzpatrick, if I need him to go in and start for a quarter of the season because my guy goes down, I can do it. I'm not convinced either Brett Ripon or Brandon Allen is that guy. In fact, with Allen at least, I'm I'm pretty sure he's he's not a guy that you could trust beyond a single game.
2: I, I tend to agree with you also on that, Chad. I will say between the two, Allen has to have the upper hand because he has regular season experience and also winning experience. So he gave the Broncos a lift after Joe Flacco, and I think that bought him enough rope to be uh, the front runner for the backup job next year. But I would rather, like you said, I'd rather have a true veteran, not a highly paid guy, no quarterback competition, no one looking over Drew Locke's shoulder, but just an insurance policy to, to come in and step in if there's an injury, if something happens, I wouldn't really be crazy about having Locke and two other young quarterbacks behind him as the only options.
1: Jack says, how is the Broncos cap space looking for next offseason? Could we afford some high level free agents other than our own? The question is or the answer to the question is yes. And it's going to be somewhere between 70 to could be in the 80s in terms of 80 million in cap space. The Broncos are going to have some some cheddar to make some moves. So, ostensibly, they're going to be able to get Justin Simmons re signed so long as Elway's willing to play ball. You could probably even find a way to get Chris Harris signed. They'll have the money to do it, especially once you cut bait with Joe Flacco and get, you know, you're going to be on the hook because of the way you restructured it. But it's it's not costing you any more than it than it already would have to have him on the roster in 2019. you're just you put it on a credit card basically is what you did with Joe Flacco. So there will be a dead cap charge next year, but it'll free up ten million plus dollars if you cut him and they will cut him. that's that's the thing is going back to the previous issue of bringing in a stopgap backup, Joe Flacco's not that guy. Joe Flacco oh, you know, now you've got the bitter feelings. I was supposed to be the understood quarterback. you know, I got hurt, all these things. You gotta you gotta wash your hands of that bad juju ASAP, yes. kick him down the road, bring yes. in a fresh guy who knows his place and can and can have some enthusiasm and some passion for where he's at in his career. Joe Flacco still is convinced he can be a guy. And you see him on the sideline after Drew Locke's first win. He's celebrating, he's running up across the field, he sees Joe Flacco crossing his path and he goes to to slap him on the butt. He puts his hands up like this. Flacco just ignores him and walks by, so he slaps him on the butt and just like, whatever, dude, and just keeps rocking and rolling and having a good time. Joe Flacco can't be the guy, but they're going to have plenty of cap space next year, Zach, is the bottom line.
2: With $75, $80 million, Chad and Mike Sullivan at your disposal, arguably one of the best cap guys in the NFL in terms of massaging contracts, you can do whatever you want. You can re-sign Chris Harris Jr. You can go out and sign Chris Jones. You can make a trade for a receiver or whoever. The Broncos will be sitting pretty in the offseason in terms of compensation and capital in terms of making these moves. It just it comes down to what they prioritize, where they want to go, and how many of their in-house free agents they want to bring back. I think that will dictate where they go in the offseason out of house.
1: Yeah, the Jawan James situation continues to be mystifying, to say the least. He ended up playing, I think it was 53, 54 snaps, something like that against the Texans. So and it was only the third game in which he appeared of course as a as a Bronco thus far and he's bouncing back from what was initially we've been told a severe MCL sprain, a severe knee sprain that he suffered in the season opener took him it was supposed to be a 4 to 6 week timetable, ended up taking him 7. He comes back in week 8, lasts all of whatever it was, 20 snaps, goes down again and he do, he's been cleared medically for two, three weeks, maybe longer now, uh, as far as where he's at today. And he finally gets back out on the field last week. The Broncos put him on a pitch count. He played well. I mean, here's the thing. That offensive line in the first half with him at right tackle and with Austin Schlopman at right guard, that was arguably the best this offensive line has looked all season long. And then, of course, you bring in Elijah Wilkinson in the second half to spell James, and that's when Locke is sacked. The one and only time he's been sacked, it was given up by Elijah Wilkinson. Now, fast forward to today, the Broncos have practiced twice, and he has been a DNP. He's not participated in either practice. Now, Zach, here's what Coach Fangio said about James, quote, on whether or not he's being held out of practice as a precaution, quote, no, it's still bothering him a little bit, the knee. But we'll see how he does the rest of the week. Hopefully he can practice some on Friday. So it's just one of those things where we don't know the whole story. And, you know, obviously this does little to uh, repudiate the reputation he had in Miami as being an injury milker and being soft. But I do think there's more to this story than, than meets the eye and the Broncos, especially in the middle of a season in which they're trying to compete and win games still. They're just not going to be as forthcoming. My guess is at the end of the season when you have the postseason press conference with Elway and Fangio at Dove Valley, you might get a little bit more forthcoming answers on what was really going on with James.
2: To me, Chad, this is very fishy. How do you go from playing in that game and then to not practicing the next week? How do you go down from that if you emerge from the game uninjured or so they say he was uninjured? I think it sounds like the Broncos are still protecting and coddling Juwan James. And I can understand it to a point. He's a $50 million investment who they're relying on to protect their young quarterback. But he has to be out there. He has to be practicing. He has to be part of the team. They cannot be DNPs every day. If you can if you're healthy enough, you can walk on those knees. You have to be out there at least in a limited fashion. Put on a brave face, a brave front. Go out there with your teammates. I don't like the fact the Broncos, if they are doing this, we might get some uh clarification after the season, like you mentioned, Chad. But if they're still protecting this guy because his mental, um, you know, his his mental toughness isn't there right now, I, I'm not fond of those type of players at all.
1: Here's one from AJ Zillinger. Sorry if I mispronounced your name, brother. Should we bring back Will Parks? Zach, uh, my opinion on Parks is he's a handy weapon to have, like a utility knife. Weapons might weapon might be the wrong word. He's a he's a utility piece. He's a utility chess piece that you can. He's versatile enough to play multiple positions, and do multiple things for you, but he's not worth much more than the veteran minimum. So. If Will Parks wants to stay in Denver on a vet minimum type of deal, making, you know, six to 900K a year, yeah, I'm totally happy to have him stay. But anything more than that, you know, maybe you pay him a little bit more than that to acknowledge his four year contribution and his veteran experience. But he's just not worth much more to me, Zach, than that, you know, vet minimum. He's he's a good locker room guy and he's loved in the locker room. The coaches, both coaching staffs, have loved Will Parks. Yeah. But uh, he's not worth much more than that to me.
2: Great teammate, great locker room presence, great player on the field, great on special teams, but he's utterly replaceable. And I'm a big Will Parks fan, but how do you how do you slice it if the Broncos have Justin Simmons, who will be brought back as their future pro bowler for years to come? They have Kareem Jackson, who is Elway's best free agent signing, I think in a few years now, and you can put those players together. You have the arguably the best safety tandem in the NFL or one of them you really don't n- have a place for parks on the roster. So I'm fully there with you. If he wants to take a, a two year deal worth, not much more than the minimum fine, but I think he's in a shop as wares around the NFL. And I think he'll sign a, a deal elsewhere. Maybe like Shaq Barrett went on to have success with the bucks. You never really know. That's true. You
1: can't completely rule it out. Um, yeah. We'll see, we'll see how that shakes out. Stu wants to know how is Patrick Mahomes hand injury? He does have a banged up hand. I'm not sure that I haven't read up on that yet, and I don't think it was talked about in the conference call on Tuesday, but uh he's definitely banged up. The bottom line though is is between the knee. He had an ankle earlier on this season. Now he's got the I mean, he's just not at 100 percent, which is why you know we said it even in whatever that was week seven, the Broncos played him, I believe it was. We said that if, especially being at home, if there's ever an opportunity to beat the Chiefs, right. it's now. And that was without us, of course, having the crystal ball of knowing that he was going to leave the game in the in the second quarter. But Zach, that was with a completely emotionally deficient and emotionally numb and dead Joe Flacco under center. This team's amped. This team is pumped. This team is believing. They just went in and shocked and eight, not just defeated an eight and four Texans squad, blew them out like lambasted the texans and there's some power with that man that's now there's also the risk when you're running that high you know if it's if it really is fool's gold you can crash back down to earth really really fast and so we'll be curious to see just how much of this is real right and this will be a good test to see because if you can even if you've come up short but you go toe to toe with patrick mahomes with your rookie quarterback and making only his third start you got something cooking
2: Yeah, I will say that Mahomes at less than 100% is probably better than 99% of quarterbacks at full strength. So the Broncos cannot take this matchup for granted. They cannot rest on the fact that Mahomes is injured or having a down season from last year. But I'm not worried about the Broncos in this game on defense. Mahomes is going to get his yards. He's going to get his points. The game's going to be won or lost on the offensive side, Chad. If Drew Locke can hang with Mahomes, if they can match point for point, they have a chance to win this game, but if Locke implodes, obviously uh, they're going to fall short to narrowhead. It's going to be a tough place for the Broncos to play, but they can and won't view Mahomes as this um, all-knowing, uh, perfect quarterback who's infallible. They can beat him, but I think it stems from offense, not defense.
1: Multiple guys want to know uh, basically what our board looks like on in the draft. You know, there's for me again, it it comes down to positions on the big board, starting with offensive tackle, going to corner and then number two wide receiver. The guys that I am most interested in are the offensive tackle from Iowa, Tristan Wirfs, and the offensive tackle from Georgia, Andrew Thomas. I like uh, Okuda from Ohio State, the corner. There's a litany of wide receivers that are interesting, but I want to keep it there. I'd maybe consider that center from Wisconsin. um, Oh, man, he's got a weird name, and it just escaped me. But offensive line at any point, I wouldn't completely bad an eye at but um tackle especially is what i'm looking for and that kind of rolls in zach to tg here jumping in with another donation two dollars thanks bro he says garrett bowles is a great pass blocker but stop holding look i kind of chuckle as i said that but he has played better under mike munchak it's just those all it takes is one lapse at a critical moment when the line judge is paying attention or the back judge and boom you're busted
2: I mean, it's kind of contradictory too because how can he be a good bat and good in pass pro if you're holding the guy or pushing a guy in the back or taking points off the board? He has, we've been saying this since he was drafted, he has all the physical potential and he has the, the foundation in place to be a competent left tackle, but he just can't stay consistent. And the fact that we're lauding him for only having four sacks or whatever it is or not allowing a sack in a few games, that should just show you how bad he's been. You should not have to worry that that position at all. That's your left tackle, the second most important position, I think, in all of football behind a quarterback. So he is, I guess if you want to say he's been a little better in, in Garrett Bowles standards, but far from what the Broncos need at left tackle.
1: Jordan jumping in. Long time friend of the Thank show, you, Jordan. wearing matching hats with yours. Truly appreciate you, bro. He says, "I hope the Broncos see how the Colts failed Andrew Luck by not giving him an O line. Now that we have a promising young quarterback, they have to protect him by drafting talent in the 2020 draft. That has to be round one, right? I and that's that. that's basically where where yeah. I'm at. Zach is it, unless you come, you know, you end up falling out of striking distance of one of those top tackles, maybe you wait and." get something else in the first round and go for another guy with, that might be a little bit more raw or less proven in rounds two or three or whatever. But if I'm the Broncos and I know I have 13 million third round picks right now, in reality, I think they have, is it three third round picks currently? I think yes, they have totally, in, yeah. in 2020. So I'm seeing what I can do to package a couple of those, if not all of them. If I have an opportunity to move up and grab Worfs or Thomas, That's I don't point. want to leave out on that opportunity, Zach.
2: That's a really good point. And it's not just Andrew Luck. Even go back to uh, David Carr with the Texans. They allowed, I think it was a record number of sacks in his first year and it completely stunned him. That ended his career that first season. because they, they couldn't protect him. Look at Kyler Murray in Arizona. Look at Sam Darnold in New York. Look at Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. A large part of the reason why they're so bad this year is they cannot protect Mayfield to save their lives. That's why I don't want a receiver in round one if I can avoid it. I don't want a safety. I don't want anything else. I want a tackle. Even if you don't re- place bowls you still have that replacement option on the roster i am not comfortable going into 2020 with him protecting locks blindside and then you have juan james who's mentally not there and not practicing over phantom issues you have to go tackle you have to protect your franchise quarterback there's been too many examples like just mentioned with Locke, uh, that would you know uh, secure that
1: teresa jumping in with a five dollar donation thank you teresa appreciate that prediction she says Deontay Spencer will finally be incorporated for at least three gadget plays against the Chiefs and one will lead to a big gain hey we're always happy to see bold predictions and <laughs> if that's the way it shakes out what better opponent to get that against than the Kansas City Chiefs in their own house all right you guys one more and then uh, we got to get out of here for and by the way yes Travis we did see that Ed McCaffrey was hired to be the head football coach at Northern Colorado. So congratulations to him. Last question from Buana: Would Connor McGovern get a starting job for any Mm. other team in free agency? I think he would. I don't know that it would be any kind of, obviously it wouldn't be a max contract type of deal, but yeah, I think he's, you know, he hasn't been great this year, but he hasn't been terrible. I mean, he's been a middle of the road guy who now has, you know, a couple of years basically worth of starting experience at center and right guard. So the answer to that is yes, in my opinion.
2: That's a guarantee. There's such a dearth of starting caliber linemen in the NFL that teams are always ready to splurge on them, and I give one example to support that. Billy Turner. The the Packers way overpaid for a guy who was a backup in, with the Broncos for a long time because it's so hard to find starting caliber linemen. So I fully agree that if he allowed to test the free agent waters, he would get a contract. It might not be a record-setting contract like Juwan James' money, but he he would start for about half of the teams in the NFL. Amen
1: to that. But, hey, you guys, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Make sure you guys are following the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod, as you can see in the ticker there. That's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. You can see where to find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. And then stay tuned, guys. There will be a fresh podcast waiting for you guys building the Broncos doing the scout side preview on Saturday. Those of you who are listening to this podcast after the fact, you're listening to it on Friday, Saturday, you'll have building the Broncos and I'm sure Eric and Lance are cooking up a fresh pod on dove Valley deep diver. So there'll be more podcast podcast content coming for you uh, before the chiefs game. And then Zach and I, of course, will return for the gut reaction immediately following Broncos chiefs and Zach we'll have to save our, our official predictions, Hmm for the mile high round table, but uh, you want to give us any hints on what your thought process is at this stage?
2: I think most of our listeners can probably guess which way I'm going, but I just want to say this guys, even if Locke goes out there and implodes, it's okay. If he throws three picks, it's not the end of the world. He's not a bust. He's not regressing. Even if the Broncos lose this game, it's all about his progression. We should be happy. He's starting this game and getting invaluable experience. That's all I will say for my prediction, Chad.
1: Okay. You heard it here first, guys. Check out the uh, website tomorrow, milehighhuddle.com, for the full roundtable myself, Zach, our predictions and scores and picks will be in there, and then also the rest of the analysts at Mile High Huddle will weigh in with their respective picks and predictions. So stay tuned for that. But thanks again for joining us, our Super Chat superstars. Thank you very much. We're going to be thanking you on Twitter after the show, so look forward to that as well. And uh, all of you who hung out with us, it's great to see you. It's great talking to you. It's been another great week of podcasting. And uh, have a great weekend. We'll be back in the saddle Sunday, immediately following the game for the Gut Reaction. Zach, have a great weekend, my brother. Thank you. I'll see you Sunday, my man. All right. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Thanks again, everybody. We will talk to you on Sunday. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation
0: going.